Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. What will the future of work look like? According to Barry Winkless, Chief Strategy Officer, CPL, and Head of CPL Future of Work Institute, tomorrow's workplace will resemble today's most coveted theme parks. You won't go every day, but when you do, you'll be transported, transformed, and given hope. Leaders will immerse their teams in story. HR departments will be the designers of immersive employee experiences and technology will be flawlessly integrated into the online and on-site experiences. In today's episode of Team Anywhere, Barry will transform the way you think about your leadership, your company, your workplace, and how you will attract and engage the workforce of the future. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm Mitch Simon on the West Coast, and I'm with my co-host, Judy Mathis, on the East Coast. And today, we are excited to have Barry Winkless. Barry Winkless is the Strategy and Innovation Director and Future of Work Lead at the CPL Future of Work Institute. Barry has over 19 years of experience working across multiple sectors in the areas of strategy, service excellence, and innovation Good afternoon, Barry. How are you? Hi, guys. Hi, Mitch. Hi, Virginia. Lovely to see you both. Hi. Hi, Barry. So great. So, yeah, Barry, I think, is like eight eight hours ahead of us today. Um, kind yeah, of just, I'm actually, you know, I'm kind of subtly trying to finish my day as quickly as possible, Mitch, and you're preventing me from doing that. <laughs> That's right. Okay. And the podcast is over. Um, so we we just want to, you know, open up. It's uh, It's been a year since the pandemic. Um, what has the last year looked for? looked like for you and what are you excited about for the future oh great question um i suppose i'll speak about it professionally and personally because i think mm-hmm. i think everybody's experienced it kind of that way haven't they really um at work so profession has been really interesting for us so um future work institute is part of cpl so we're quite a large european uh, talent services business um and you know, we, we've seen all sorts of things happening in, in the in the talent space. Um, overall, our business has been very strong uh, throughout, throughout COVID. Uh, so we're quite proud of the team in terms of being able to weather the storm so far. Uh, I think from a, a personal perspective, um, I think I've had the similar challenges uh, to everybody else, you know, adopting to a new way of working, uh, you know, kind of trying to lead a team uh, in a very virtual and, and distributed manner. Um, and, you know, really try to learn new behaviors, uh, new approaches to how I lead, uh, you know, at a, at a personal level. Great, great. Thank you for that. And um, I understand you just completed or your team completed a a study. I think, you, is it nine months that you've worked on this study? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've kind of, just to just give you a little bit of context, uh, the Future of Work Institute, we're a multidisciplinary team. Uh, and our, our, our role really is to question, explore, and design future work solutions. So we're very much at the, I would say, at the leading edge, sometimes the bleeding edge uh, of the future of work. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
<laughs> and in that research, and sorry, in that role, I should say, Mitch, you know, we, we conduct leadership work and then we also to create research. And we work with a number of organizations from a, a consultancy perspective. And, and that particular paper really came out of a recognition from us, at least, that there was no real kind of clear definition of what the future of work is. There's no real models out there that kind of leaders could use to map where they are around work and where they wanted to go in terms of the future work. And really, that's what this paper is all about. So that's a, it's a culmination of research, of working groups with, with organizations, of surveys, and of our own kind of uh, thought leadership in this space. So it's been a long time coming. Uh, I, I like to say to the guys, it's quite a seminal paper, uh, you know, because we've tried to create the definitions that we hope leaders can use now and into the next kind of 50 years. Um, you know, so hopefully we've achieved that with the, with the paper. Great. And the, you know, the first thing that um, anyone recognizes and the paper is available free online, yep. which is really amazing. It's a really great paper. The first thing that you notice about the paper is first of all, it's, it's absolutely beautiful, right? It's, um, and tell us you, you were, you were, um, sharing with us, uh, right before the podcast that you've used a theme park theme to, to present your concepts. And, um, so I'm really interested. Why did you choose the theme park? Yeah, look, it's it, number one. Um, my, my kind of background is very much in this area called experience design. Uh, and really what is that? It's around how do we actually, create things that are memorable or transformational in some way, or at least that's my, my definition. And, you know, where, when you really think about it, you, you guys had this great person called Walt Disney back in the you know 1920s and 30s, and he was actually the guy who really invented the theme park in 1955 with the opening of Disneyland. And really, it was what I would call the first properly experiential destination where people were fully immersed you know, we're excited, you know, creative memories within within that context. And really for me, the reason we use that that theme park analogy is because that's what we're trying to create now in our workplaces, right? We're trying to create memorable, transformative experiences for our employees in organizations. And hence the use of the theme park motif in the report. And actually also right at the core of some of the principles that we use ourselves in thinking about this thing called the employee experience. Uh, so it's very much around that level of attention to detail, the same attention to detail that we put into all of our beautiful products and services that we also put into the design of beautiful and memorable experiences for, you know, really what are the driving force behind any business to people. So I guess um, listening to you and thinking about where we are with the future of work, um, one would one would suspect that it seems like a lot of us are not going back to work five days a week. And then you're bringing out a theme park theme and someone say, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, <laughs> I live in, I live in California and um, I'm just a few miles away from a theme park, Disneyland, and it's shut down. Like nobody's going. So I'm just wondering um, how do you use the theme park experience theme when a lot of people won't be in, you know, in work, um, five days a week like they used to? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. Look, I think for, first and foremost, when we talk about the idea of a theme park, we think about it as a, as a concept that exists both physically and virtually. Okay, so that, that's the first thing. So if you think about this as a, a multi, multiverse, multimedia, um, you know, theme park that exists both virtually and physically, that, that's the first thing. Okay, I think that that's a really important thing to get across. 
I think the second thing is one of the things that we're seeing in our work that we're doing ourselves is, is it, it's not that we're necessarily moving away from offices. Some organizations are definitely going down that route, you know, where they're going to have a zero office organizations. And we are starting to see an increase in those types of businesses. We're seeing more of businesses being a hybrid type business where they might be moving towards, you know, one or two days in the office, uh, you know, versus, you know, your kind of five days in the office. And then even organizations moving towards four days a week and all this kind of good stuff. I think what's really happening when it comes to physical place is because of that change, there's a fundamental rethink needed and happening actually in terms of the role of physical spaces. And I think that's a really important point to make, right? In, in the sense that, you know, if we don't all have to go to this kind of physical place anymore, what, what is the role of that physical place, right? What is it about? Is it, is it, is it now going to be a, a wellness center for our employees? Is it going to be a collaboration center? You know, is it going to be something more than what it has been for the last period of time? Because if you really think about it, if we're going to come together less frequently in a physical way, it changes the nature of what that physical place needs to achieve, right? It places a greater emphasis on the importance of those types of physical meetings. It nearly creates those physical meetings as almost being an event. Hence the theme park uh, kind of analogy, because now we're talking about bringing people together less, less often. And then trying to make sure that those experiences, when we do bring people together, kind of bind them to our organization or brand or essence and create really experiences that can kind of sustain them in that virtual world when they kind of move away from the physical space. So like, as far as I can, I can see, uh, Mitch, through the, through the kind of the COVID piece, what it's really done is it's made people stand back and ask questions around the world of work that haven't been asked in a long time. And some of these changes were happening before COVID and COVID has accelerated some of those changes as well. So I think there's all of this kind of stuff going on. We're fundamentally of the belief that, you know, the, the principles that we talk about in terms of story, in terms of narrative, in terms of theme, in terms of good design are equally relevant across physical and virtual spaces, you know, when it comes to designing the workplace of the future. So hence the, hence the theme park concept. That is a great point, Barry. I'd love to emphasize. It's sort of uh, turning uh, the pyramid upside down. Now think about when we do get together, that's an event. Usually it was we went to work every day and that was the norm. Now that's not the norm. Getting together now is the event. And now then that gives you the opportunity to think, well, how are we going to make this event and use some kind of theme park? And also, and maybe you can give us some examples of how to even do that virtually. I mean, I think of Disney now, and at least 50% is virtual. You go in and you enter this incredible digital space with movement and so forth, but you're not moving it out of your seat. So a lots of... N- that's why your future work. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, I think, you know, when we talk about um, these concepts, first of all, we're definitely moving into this mixed hybrid world in terms of, you know, physical and virtual mixing up in different ways. Right. So, OK, we might have a physical meeting, but we can use technology in really interesting ways to add to the, the, the impact of that meeting. Right. Equally in a virtual space, we're seeing lots of really interesting things out there. We're seeing people starting to play around with uh, platforms like Zoom and try to create 3D environments for people to kind of 
immerse themselves in that. So what we're seeing on one hand is this massive, um, you know, increase in sophistication around collaboration tools, virtual tools, and everything really that you could possibly ask for. And on the other hand, then we're thinking about, okay, it is an event where people come together. So let's really focus our minds on designing that event to make it as successful and as memorable as it can be. So there's all sorts of really interesting things kind of happening, you know, because of this kind of future work. And some of it will sound mad, uh, you know, so when I say things like, um, you know, how do you apply, uh, you know, the principles of theatre, you know, to designing a meeting, people automatically say, Barry's mad, he's talking absolute crap. But actually, you know, there are people that have learned how to create emotional impact uh, in audiences, right? So why not use, you know, some of those learnings? You know, if we think about, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I come from a strategic background, as Mitch mentioned at the, at the start, you know, why should I tell people about a strategy when I can immerse them in a story of a strategy, when I can immerse them in the excitement of the strategy? What, what, you know, what's, what's, what's more impactful, right? Definitely the immersing of the strategy, right? If we're coming together less, Virginia, as, as people, then we have a greater emphasis on those meetings to to tie people into our brand, into our essence, into our purpose, into our direction. So it's really interesting that this has kind of really put new questions on the table. It's it's put old questions on the table in new ways. So um, Barry, I love this. When you know when Judy and I um, got together before the podcast even started, we were really we knew that this was coming. We didn't know how to really explain it. And so it's, you've really kind of captured, I think, some of our initial conversations. And now what I'm thinking about is, you know, before COVID, it was hard enough to plan a meeting where you'd actually have an agenda. People would show up on time and you would take notes. So now you're saying, OK, Mitch and Jenny, here's the deal. You need to have a theatrical experiential uh, plan for your meeting. Um I think a lot of managers would just kind of throw their hands up in the air and go, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, and what I'd love to know is um, what do you think will be the future and how people are going to figure this out in how to create an experiential um, uh, um, exper- exper- an experience, right? Um, because, you know, you know, I didn't go to theater school. Um, I'm thinking, you know, I didn't major in cultural cultural anthropology, which I'm thinking is like behind all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've done some stage work, um, but but most leaders will not have done that. What do you think will um, help us get there as and and be competitive to understand these new ways of viewing a meeting and, and actually the practicalities of what will happen yeah. first and next? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first thing, look, you, you guys, you know, and look, you, you know, I'm really, the, one of the reasons I'm speaking in this podcast is because, you know, you, you guys, you know, are, are, are kind of part of this change, right? You know, you're kind of starting to see, you know, and you have questions in your head about all this kind of stuff. And really part of my role is to try and answer some of these questions, you know, at a broader level. So, like, if you really think about it anyway, right, people throw out this thing around, leaders need to become better storytellers. I'm sure you've read articles around that and let's be honest most of it's absolute pump you know it's it's a real throwaway statement you need to be better storytellers most most people that i know don't really un- even understand the structure of a story or even how to tell an interesting story whatever but anything else or, and, and as a result it's very hard for those leaders to really connect with people right so i always say it's a big difference between you know there's my two-page strategy and telling the story of a strategy two totally different things so the first thing is we need to embrace storytelling 
and what I would call immersive storytelling. So storytelling from all the way from a simple story all the way to what I would call big marquee experiences that are, you know, that make sense for that particular time. So I think, Mitch, I'm not saying all, all, uh, all meetings should be experiential, but the really important ones should be because we're going to have, you know, large groups of our leaders together, you know, less frequently. So let's kind of make sure we put time into that, right? you know, into those experiences. I think that's really, really important. So I think the first thing is, is that leaders actually finally embrace this power, this superpower called storytelling and stop talking crap about it and actually, you know, put the effort in to learn this and see it as a core competency. Because, you know, I think if you were to say to a leader, you know what, guys, see storytelling, it's as important as coordination, right, in, in terms of your management uh, toolkit. So just just make sure you learn, immerse, and put the effort in, like you've done with your other skill sets to learn that. I think the second thing for me is what I would call the need for HR and people teams to become much more multidisciplinary in terms of their makeup as, as, as a team. So you're absolutely right, Mitch. You know, the HR team of the future needs to include anthropologists, experienced designers, you know, cultural kind of programmers and everything in between in order to be the thing that HR teams have been talking about for the last 20 years, be more strategic in inverted commas, right? To me, that that's what the HR needs to do. It needs to think about itself more as a design center for the employee experience, right? And, and develop up a team based on those principles. So I think that's the second thing. I think the third thing then for me is what I would call the use of in, in a kind of an increasingly sophisticated array of technologies, right? So why do you even need to take notes anymore when we've got technologies that can analyze our voice, you know, that can record our voice, that can turn our voice into notes, you know, they can do kind of everything in between. So they're the kind of three things that I think for me would help the business to become a much more technocentric, experiential driven, you know, business and make that kind of whole thing real. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've sat in many of a leadership meeting that have been bored to tears, you know, which says to me that they haven't fully embraced uh, storytelling right in any shape or form. And it's a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of the stuff I talk about actually when I boil it down comes into how do you turn direction into something exciting and immersive because everything else follows after that. You know, if your story isn't exciting, your company's not going to be exciting. You know, if your company's not exciting, people aren't going to join the bloody thing in the first place. <laughs> you know, so, you know, everything kind of stems from, you know, that kind of, you know, that, that perspective for me. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, as we said before, of course, this is coming from Ireland, where you guys have always been like the historical storytellers, right? Yeah, well, that, that, it's it's true. So maybe maybe Mitch, we're kind of trying to sell our own. Uh, our I own think snake, so. Uh, snake oil. <laughs> and I think for me, the biggest mindset that a leader can adopt for the future work is a holistic one. So thinking about joining the dots before they make you know a decision on a workplace or. You know, because for example, right, we I could turn around tomorrow and say, Hey guys, I in five years' time, I'm gonna have an organization with zero employees, but I'm gonna have a thousand people working with me. Right? right? Now we could never have said that thirty years ago. Right? Never. Now the reality is by about twenty forty by twenty forty, twenty forty five globally, the predominant employment type will be freelance. Right? So we will transition from a place of People like ourselves working for organizations to people like us working with organizations, right? That in itself changes absolutely everything in terms of the power dynamic, in terms of what is a supplier versus an employee, 
you know, versus what the hell an employee is in the first place is, it changes absolutely everything, right? So that is the world that we are now living in. We are living in a world where a 15-year-old a, a uh, kid can be really interested in a really, really niche, sub- niche subject. They can des- develop their passion online. They can link with a network community across the globe. They can monetize their, their opportunity and then create a business uh, out of nothing, right? So this is the future of work. This is right at the core of the future of work, right? In a world where actually, think about this, your com- people will no longer really need to work for companies. They will work with a multitude of companies, right? So that in itself is, is, is one, one massive discussion point, you know, around the future of work. So when we talk about, you know, what is a workplace, just as an example, the workplace of the future is really just a network. It's a network of people connected together by common values, hopefully by a common purpose, you know, for that particular group of people. And I, 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 I've used a phrase in a recent article of mine that I call the disposable organization, you know, because, you know, where we can bring 20 people together for a project that might last 12 months and then it just, we dispose of it. You know, it's no longer an organization. And what I expect so a lot of that is then, if I put myself in a, a leader's shoes, collecting that talent, I need to tell a story. I'm not good at that. Who can help me? I need to have it visually pleasing. Yep. Who is that? You know, um, these are different skill sets that I might have done once a year for some big gala. But now to make that part of who and what I am um, I just know coaching a CEO on start telling stories. That took me three months for him to get comfortable around telling stories. So there's some skill sets there. So it's a really, really interesting place that we're in. And, and Virginia, you're buying, you're buying on what you said because, you know, we, we're moving beyond this thing called marketing, right? We're moving beyond it. We're moving into meaning and purpose. We're moving into people wanting to work with organizations that mean more than the bullshit, you know, that's peddled around. Excuse my language. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to use that phrase uh, on this podcast. But anyway, I blame, I blame my Irish background and my Irish roots for that. Um, but, you know, that that is the reality. And, and you're right, Virginia, in that, you know, the, the, those organizations that have a, a fully defined, what I call tail of direction, uh, which is a purpose plus a story, they're the ones ultimately that are that, that, that are going to really attract people, you know, to those organizations, right? You, you know, there, there's reasons that certain people work with their really cool companies out there. It's it's more than just, you know, what it, what it says on the tin. It's much deeper, you know. That's why people are attracted to those types of businesses, right? And um, so there's really interesting things happening, you know, and that we've got this massive wave of people that really believe that their path in life is to work for themselves and work with companies as opposed to for them. Now you think about the challenge that that poses for large organizations trying to de- develop talent pipelines at a global level, you know, to, to, to sustain their business. There's a really interesting kind of things going on there, you know? So let me ask you very, um, um, again, all right. So I need to become a better storyteller if I'm a leader, <laughs> I'm running a company. Um, I need to create, um, better experiences. So, um, how then am I in, maybe we're just a little bit ahead of, you know, your, the, the future that you're creating is a little bit ahead, but I'm just wondering how would I practically 
sit down and think about my next um, gathering. Like when we're going to, you know, God willing, we're going to be, be going back to work starting maybe September or January of next year. Um, how would I sit down and design either my, my all hands getting together or my next um, video call or Zoom call with my team? Um, what, you know, what are some places that I can go to piece all this stuff together? Are, are there books out there yet? Are there people out there who've uh, really figured this out? Or is some it... lovely questions there, Mitch. Yeah, yeah no, they're great questions. Look, I, I, I go to what I call the source, the sources of storytelling. Um, I'll tell you a story now myself, okay? All right. Uh, about kind of 15, 16 years ago, um, I, was, I was thrown into this project I was working with a very difficult management team, you know the type, you know, know everything, you know, totally infallible, you know, they think they, they, they're they think they're the next kind of Steve Jobs type situation, uh, you know, and I, I needed I needed a mechanism to really get their buy-in and to change the way they're thinking about things. So the only thing I could turn to was this thing called storytelling. 16 years ago, I had no clue about it, what it was. So I, I immersed myself in storytelling. And my, my key moment um, was uh, speaking to my mother. My mother was actually involved. She's a musical uh, musical producer. And she said, have you heard about this thing called a, a show Bible? I was a show Bible? What the hell is a show Bible? She said, well, a show Bible is a thing that TV executives use to pitch TV series. You know, like the idea behind it. They might use some imagery to, to highlight, you know, what it is, right, and, you know, what it's going to be about, you know. So you, you can imagine, I'm trying to think of some uh, really good U.S. Uh, shows, but, like, Stranger Things or, you know, CSI, you know, this is our show Bible. This is what it's going to be about, and these are going to be the main characters, and this is going to be the atmosphere of it, and here's some images to get across, you know, uh, what that is. Oh, that's really interesting. And, she, and there's a really important thing along with that, which is a thing called a log line, and the log line is the one line that very quickly gets across uh, the concept of a, uh, you know, of a TV series, right? So I always like to ask a, a kind of a leader, start with your logline. What's your logline? What's the logline of your business? Get out of all the brand stuff. All that. What's that core logline that you would write about your business? What's that one line? The second thing I asked them then to do is, if you're going to create a show Bible for your business, what would it be? What pictures would you put in that show Bible to represent the culture you're trying to create? What atmosphere would you describe, right? What key characters would you uh, kind of develop up? That's where I'd start, Mitch. I would start what I would call at the sources of storytelling. Then if I was in a, in a kind of a, a, a more interesting kind of mode, I would go back to my, as I said, my Walt Disney roots and kind of look at all the things he learned about storytelling and, you know, how to treat, tell stories in three dimensions. I'd also look at things like, uh, you know, how, you know, um, Great storytellers kind of develop stories around a three act, you know, kind of three act approach. You know, I'd learn from all of those different sources and I would absorb my, but I would start with my log line and I'd start with my show Bible of, of my business. And actually there's a, there's a little segue in the, in the report where I talk about the show Bible, uh, you know, in that. And that was the moment for me where I said, ah, okay, storytelling, storytelling is the key to creating emotional impact, not just at a personal level or at an entertainment level, but at a core business level to create change. You know, I think storytelling for me, particularly in the business context, it's, 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 it's a gel, it's a connector, you know, it's a light, it illuminates a direction that hasn't been fully formed yet. 
uh, you know, it's a it's a motivator. Um, it's all of those things, um, you know, and everything in between. And I actually think the key thing for me, for leaders, is to make sure that that leader creates other storytellers in their business, you know, by practicing what they preach. Uh, we buy stories, guys. We don't buy really anything, you know, except stories. You know, any, every product we buy has a story. Every service we ever bought of a story or somebody has told us a story about it. And organizations are exactly the same. An organization needs to recognize that it in itself is almost like a product that's been sold to potential future employees. You have to recognize that. You know, that that's, that is the reality. Uh, and we need to tell the stories that get across the, the essence of what we are. In an authentic way, I think, Virginia, just come back to your point, uh, you know, that's not makey up, but it's right at the core of the soul of the business. All right. What uh, one playing a bit of devil's advocate here. I love this. I'm bought into it. I can see some new skill sets I want to to learn myself and or make sure I I make this this group full time or part time or 20 percent. How does this tie to the bottom line? How does this tie to the bottom line? Okay, so let, let me take you on a journey. <laughs> let me take you on a journey of success. What if I used to say to you, we're going we're, we're gonna to be a business uh, with uh, no offices. We're going to be a network. Straight away, we've taken probably 5 to 7% capex off the bottom line. Right? Bam. Now, you tell me what kind of uh, process efficiency program is going, to, is going to kind of give you that kind of uh, – can give you that right then let's talk about employee engagement and let's talk about that for every one percent we improve employee engagement experience we're probably going to get 10 percent performance increase Bam. that's a 10 percent increase in your performance straight away then we go into the kind of tools that we're using and the appropriate use of robotic process automation the appropriate use of collaborative technologies Bam. you've got another five to ten percent in terms of your performance increase there so straight away, I've kind of improved your bottom line by 25%. Some of those numbers are a little bit spurious, but trust me, they are right. based on you know, some of our research. So. Barry, I was wondering, um, <clears throat> these, are, these I'm, I'm blown away by this new way of thinking and this new world of work. Um, so what would you snake oil salesman, Mitch? I know, I know. Well, again, again, the, uh, the, the study is free online. You can get it for nothing. Yes. Um, when, um, you know, we, we don't imagine that employees are coming back five days a week. Um, and, and again, you're saying, you know, I might have a company where I might not have any, any employees, but, uh, you know, as we transition, I think for, for many companies, they do have employees that will be coming back. Take me through, um, if you can, what might it look like when, let's say, let's say my company, I'm going to have my employees in the office just on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the events? And this is, again, what Ginny and I were asking ourselves when we started this podcast. What are some of the events that are going to happen? Um, again, you're, you know, you're Walt Disney. You're taking us to Tomorrowland, right? And we walk <laughs> into um, and we see... Um, I just, I just have to say my favorite, favorite ride at Disneyland 
when I was a little <laughs> kid. I grew up right by Disneyland, so this is a great. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm so jealous, Mitch. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was the Carousel of Tomorrow, which came from the World oh, Fair yes. yeah. in '67 or whatever. Yeah. But it which was, was originally, you know, which was originally, if I if I correct me if I'm wrong, was premiered at the World's Fair of 1964. Was it 1965? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you would go, and you would basically. Um, the the seats would move around this round yeah. auditorium, and then you would see the past, you would see now, and you would see the future, right? It's and a great, big, beautiful stuff. tomorrow. That's the song, Sherman. It's Brothers, a great, yeah. big, beautiful tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, getting back to the question, Barry. Uh, I know it's late Friday uh, over there. Is so I'm going to come to the office on Wednesday, and I'm going to now. You know, you're going to you're going to Barry you're going to have us peek into. What is what is it going to look like? What's going on in that workspace yeah. when they've all come together? That's different than it was before. Yeah, well, I think I think that you know it's a, it's a good question, Mitch. And I think the first question you ask yourself is when and why do we need to bring these people together? Right. So that that's really important because by default, it's going to be much more of a kind of you know key moments, right? So that's the first thing. You know, to see your Disney analogy there again, but you know, it's a key moments with uh, Abraham Lincoln, I think is one of the other, you know, things I remember watching, you know, the, the ro- robotic animatronic. Uh, that's right. Lincoln. So I think that's the first thing, you know, because we're going to be in a world where those meetings have a much greater premium. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to really focus on the design of that experience. I think, you know, I've listened to some of your podcasts before, guys, and I'm consistently on, underwhelmed by quality of meetings right i know you guys have kind of touched on that subject before um you know and this is going to put an even greater premium on that a greater premium on the design of a meeting so that's the very first thing so what why do we need to have people together for this meeting and by default it's going to have to be for a big reason right and that the reason i'm saying that is because that will then dictate the kind of design that we're going to create for um for that particular meeting so give you one very specific example and something i was involved in a few years ago um, let's say we're going to bring people together because we want to have a strategic visioning session, right? What might, I, what might I do differently there? Well, what I might think about is I might think about creating a prop that is a newspaper that talks about the company 10 years from now, written by a well-known journalist. And, you know, I'd have two papers, I'd have one that shows uh, what went wrong and then one that's a kind of a, a celebratory uh, article around you know how successful we were and I would build an experience based on that and because for me what experience does guys is it gets behind the thinking mind it gets into the emotional real world conversations that we're all striving to have so that would be one example Mitch right so we create this alternative newspaper-led future uh, you know and point it at our business and then really create a you know much more emotionally led conversation um, Tell you a little bit of a mad one in my, my previous uh, job. Um, if we want to get a, people together because we really wanted to get across the message around DNI, uh, diversity and inclusion, I might actually create an experience where we get, um, don't laugh at this one, but uh, we, we get uh, our people to meet with uh, different alien races uh, and to try to converse with them in different ways. And through that process, we're actually teaching them the, the, the value of diversity. And I should say, guys, that was actually something that we did do. Uh, so that's another make you up thing. So it's it's to make sure that we're using the appropriate uh, physical meetings for big bang opportunities, right? And I think that's that's the really kind of important thing for me. And um, you know, we we kind of we I think we we've, we've devalued 
the meeting. We've devalued the concept of meetings, right? You know, 200 years ago, it was very, very hard for people to get together, right? It's very hard for people physically to get together and do something. And when they did, it was a celebration of some shape or form, right? Uh, you know, you might have people that were away for nine months, you know, on, on a ship, right? And they right. come back to harbour and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, so it's that kind of concept. So number one, why have these people together? Number two, purposeful design. And number three, use a kind of story-driven, innovative, exciting approach using props. That's not going to cost you more time or more money, but creates a different type of experience that brings you to somewhere else. Um, you know, and I think that 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 is kind of for me is what that that kind of that kind of thing would look like. Um, and again, that's me just taking those very specific you know examples on that. I'm not saying that we all should be doing everything experiential all of the time. Very much comes back to the types of meetings, you know, and what the most appropriate one is. Wow, Barry, thank you so much. Um, I I just want to sit here and and uh, and listen for hours because it's just like we're just we're hitting on. Yeah. The we're like on the vein of, um, you know, some really, really key insights and directions on the future of work. So if, if we could close up, Barry, if you wanted to share any last words, and we'd love to know if you could tell our listeners, you know, how to find out more about this report, how to find out more about um, the future of work, um, if you could fill us in on that. Yeah, no problem. So um, if you go to, if you basically type in CPL Future of Work Institute, that will bring you to lots of really interesting articles, our papers, um, you know, some of the mad things I talk about a lot. Uh, so, you know, you go on to Google there. But I should also say as well, Mitch, if people put my name in there, Barry Winkless, they'll get some of my talks that I've done, um, you know, and that kind of stuff all, all up there, all free, all, all available. Uh, and then, you know, through those links, then people will be able to kind of log on and find the, the white paper future of work world, uh, which I, I definitely I don't want to kind of do the salesmanship here, Mitch, but I do think that in that paper covers a lot of the concepts that we talked about today in a kind of a structured fashion. Um, and, you know, things like the show Bible is in there, things like the 3W model is in there. Some of the experiential trends are in there. Uh, so I'm, I'm very open, guys, for people reading it, you know, could get in touch base with me. Uh, Barry.Winkless at uh, cpl.ie, please do. Um, I really mean that. I'm a huge believer in the network effect. Uh, so, you know, I, please tell your listeners to kind of touch base at any time. All right, Barry, thank you for your uh, just great generosity. Um, we love your company. We, you know, we love uh, Alicia having her on the podcast uh, a couple of months ago. Um, I think it's time for you to go have a weekend. Um, so thank <laughs> you so much. Um, thank you. This thank is fabulous. You. Thank you to all our listeners. Great. Thank you, Barry. And thank you all for um, listening to another episode of Team Anywhere. And if you've loved this episode like we have, please share this um, on your social media. Let people know um, that this resource is available. Okay, great. We'll see you next time. 